Factors delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie, and more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. What are you guys waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. The options are endless with Factor. Two-minute meals. Fill up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. How about some snacks, some smoothies, and more? Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Factor is also the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easily. And you guys can be very flexible with your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the most important part, there's no prep. No mess. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. So there's no prepping. There's no cooking or cleanup that is needed. If that sounds great to you guys, head to factormeals.com slash script 50 and use code script 50 to get 50% off. That's code script 50 at factormeals.com slash script 50 to get 50% off. successful why is tony khan running his promotion better than vince mcmahon and bruce pritchard are running monday night and friday night long term booking Thank you so very much for joining me right here on Off the Script. This is your SmackDown and AEW Rampage post show for June 10th, 2022. I am your host, JD, from New York, as always, coming to you from the OTS venue. Thank you guys so very much for joining me on your Friday nights, wherever you may be. Now, Normally, I come on here and immediately say, this show sucks. SmackDown. SmackDown wasn't all that bad tonight, folks. I don't know what, uh, I, 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 don't, I, I don't know what has uh, gotten into me this evening. I, uh, I didn't have any alcoholic beverages. I'm 100% sober this evening. SmackDown wasn't all that bad tonight. It wasn't a great show by any means, but... It looked like SmackDown had a little different vibe tonight, man. I, I don't I don't know what it is. We got some pretty damn good wrestling 
on tonight's SmackDown, man. Headlined by Matt Riddle and Sami Zayn, two masters of their craft. Matt Riddle is fantastic. And Sami Zayn has been fantastic ever since I laid eyes on him uh, in WWE. He's just been fucking a go-to guy, man. A go-to guy. Sami Zayn is so fucking good, man. Then we got Drew McIntyre and Sheamus in the opening of the show tonight with uh, the Money in the Bank qualifying match uh, beginning tonight. Uh, qualifiers beginning tonight. This was a Money in the Bank qualifying match between Drew McIntyre and Sheamus. And again, another great wrestling match. Another great in-ring effort by both guys. We all know how good Drew McIntyre is. Sheamus, I think, is incredibly underrated I think Sheamus has knocked it out of the park, especially when he's in there solo and he's not in there with Ridge Holland and Pete Dunne. Sheamus has nailed it, man. He continues to deliver bangers on a one-on-one level. He is so fucking good. Sheamus is so good, man. Another one of those guys that you can plug in and you're going to get a great match out of it because he's just a legit fucking badass. And Sheamus doesn't get the credit that he deserves. And then we had Ricochet. And yes, we'll talk about the match ending in a DQ. I'll tell you why I don't really give a shit why it ended in a DQ. Normally I would. Right now I don't. So it really doesn't, it really doesn't matter. And I'll probably tell you why WWE is going and giving us a DQ with that ending between Sheamus and Drew McIntyre. Gunther. Gunther is the new Intercontinental Champion. This should be a surprise to nobody. Uh, as soon as this match was announced... I said to everybody last week that Ricochet's days as Intercontinental Champion are absolutely dead and gone. Don't know what happens to Ricochet after this. WWE should be ashamed of themselves on how they have booked Ricochet and the Intercontinental Championship. I don't really trust them with the Intercontinental title on Gunther because even though he won, and even though we all want to see Gunther succeed, in WWE, my question is, and it's a very valid question, who is next for Gunther on the SmackDown roster as far as defending that Intercontinental Championship? I mean, I would say when Drew McIntyre inevitably wins the Universal Championship from Roman Reigns at Clash at the Castle, I would assume that Drew McIntyre and Gunther is a natural made feud for the World Championship. I mean, I don't know how you don't do that if they're both on the same roster. And that's something that's been a long time coming. But who exactly is on the roster for Gunther to defend that Intercontinental Championship against? Now, I'd like to see another match or a series of matches with Ricochet. I thought what they did tonight, given the TV time constraints, I thought was pretty damn fucking good. I mean, all all I was thinking about is imagine these two guys on a Triple H takeover during the black and gold era. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine the time that Triple H would give these guys and? If it was for a North American championship, that's what I was really thinking. The level of TV time that they are going to get on the main roster compared to what Triple H would have given them on the black and gold. I mean, the the match layout would have been completely different than what we saw tonight. But regardless, who does Gunther defend that intercontinental title against? There really is nobody on the roster. And we'll go over exactly who it is and who is there and why none of it really matters. Because WWE has opened up a whole new brand, a brand new can of worms with Gunther now, the new IC champion. Roman Reigns, he will be back on next week's show. He will be defending the Universal Championship, the undisputed Universal WWE Heavyweight Championship, unified 
against Matt Riddle. He is coming back to work after a long layoff for whatever reason, Roman Reigns. He will be back. He will be missing Money in the Bank. This match was supposed to be taking place at Money in the Bank, and this match is taking place next week instead. So he beat Sami Zayn, did Riddle to get a title opportunity. How that comes about, I don't really know, but that's WWE for you. And we're getting Roman Reigns and Matt Riddle next week for the world title on SmackDown. Should be a fantastic match. Uh, seeing the body of work that Matt Riddle has put in the last several months. And then we all know how good Roman Reigns can be in those big match situations. So that's coming next week on SmackDown. WWE gave you an update on Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes went in for surgery for his torn pectoral muscle. He will be out nine months, they say. We'll go over that news as well. We also have news on Paige. Paige apparently is leaving the WWE. The anti-diva Paige is leaving WWE. She may very well end up in all elite wrestling because she absolutely 100% wants to wrestle. And I cannot see that woman going anywhere else but a major stage with the second biggest promotion in all of North America. So that's where she's going to end up. And we'll talk about what she said on social media today as it is confirmed that she's leaving WWE. On AEW Rampage and AEW side of things, Will Ospreay, he made his in-ring debut tonight against FTR and Trent Beretta, teaming with the Aussie Open. So United Empire, man, really getting their claws into their storyline going into the Forbidden Door. And we had the debut of Satnam Singh, the Giant Singh in an AEW ring. And I was very vocal about the way that he was presented in his debut. I have to be honest with you, man. He didn't really do much of anything tonight, but use his size to his advantage. But he didn't really look all that bad tonight. So we're going to go over that right here on Off the Script. Man, we got a loaded show for you. And I appreciate you guys joining me on your Friday nights this evening. I will be going to the Forbidden Door. JD is walking through the Forbidden Door, man. I will be in Chicago. AEW has granted me media access. I am a part of the journalists section. I got some media tickets. I'm going to the post-show scrum. We'll be live streaming the scrum after the show is over. Everybody else is scrum. Fuck them. You guys are watching the scrum right here on Off the Script, man. So I'll be walking through the Forbidden Door. I'll be in Chicago. And we're going to have a damn good time, man. And being that I will be in Chicago, that means we're having an OTS VIP meetup. When and where, that will be announced at some point this weekend on my Twitter, at JD from NY206. But I will tell you this, I think I have a place picked out. I just have to wait till they get back to me on the availability and if it's going to be something they can handle with the large crowds that we usually bring in. Of course, I had to pick a, a really, really nice whiskey bar. So that's what we'll be doing, man. And listen, if you guys are going to join me in Chicago for the Forbidden Door, this place is legitimately an eight-minute walk to the United Center, man. So I got an Airbnb in town not too far from the United Center. We got a place picked out not too far, man. Everything is within walking distance. So when I see you, man, those beverages better be fucking ice cold. Make sure you guys follow me on social media, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter. And Instagram, hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. It'd be funny if I sit next to Denise 
Like I said on Wednesday, man, can you imagine me sitting next to Denise for fucking four hours at Forbidden Door? Jesus fucking Christ, man. Oh, my goodness. Follow me on social media, man. You guys know the deal. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Make sure you guys hit that thumbs up. I only see 400 likes on the stream. Well, would you guys fall asleep during the Celtics loss tonight? I need a thousand likes minimum on tonight's live stream, man. We're nearing 1,600 people in the venue. Make sure you guys hit that thumbs up if you guys have not done so. Great way to help the channel out. Also, make sure you guys go eat, go get your t-shirts, man. I've seen a ton of you guys buy some t-shirts the last couple of days, man. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate you guys going out and buying the new t-shirt, man. The Don of the IWC right there. Exclusively on bonfire.com. Go get yours today. And if you're going to Chicago, man, you better get some ordered now. I appreciate you guys, man. Go check that out. Bonfire.com is the exclusive home of Off The Script. And today's show is sponsored by Audible. AudibleTrial.com slash Off The Script. Make sure you guys go get your 30 days free and one free audiobook of your choice. I want to thank Audible for for sponsoring the show right here. On Friday night for the SmackDown and AEW Rampage post-show right here on Off The Scripts. Let's start at the top, man. Let's start with the Drew McIntyre and Sheamus Money in the Bank qualifying match that started the show. I said this on Monday. WWE really didn't do anything on Monday, and I don't know how many people are going to put in the Money in the Bank ladder match. I would assume it's going to be six. Seeing the roster as weak as it is right now, I don't think these matches could really handle eight. I don't think there are even four people on the SmackDown roster that would be representing that brand. So I think six is a right number. Three from Raw and three from SmackDown. I think that would be fine. So we got one qualifying match on SmackDown tonight for the men and the women. I'm assuming we're going to get the same thing on Monday, being that we got qualifying matches tonight. On Friday night. And the first two participants in the Money in the Bank qualifiers are Drew McIntyre and Sheamus. I think those are two solid names right there. Match itself was fine. Match itself was very good. As always, these two always put on a good match, man. And Sheamus, like I said in the beginning, is very underrated, man. Sheamus, I said this, I believe it was earlier in the year, probably dating back to late last year. Sheamus was probably the MVP, man, of Monday Night Raw when he got drafted to SmackDown. He was continuing his great work as he got drafted to SmackDown. When he was on Raw and he got drafted to SmackDown, man, he, I would say, I would not hesitate to say that Sheamus was probably the MVP of Monday Night Raw. He was fantastic. Everything he did, man, just everything he did was so great. And he continued that on into the brand split, the draft, and on SmackDown, and then they paired him with Rich Holland, and they paired him with Butch, which is fine. I think the makeup of the faction, the Brawling Brutes, I don't like the name. I assume we'll get used to the name. Not a big fan of the name, but Sheamus kind of took a back seat a little bit. He wasn't really the star of the show. He was using his group and his star power to get Rich Holland over and get Butch Pete Dunne over. And I kind of missed him in a singles in a singles capacity. And we got that tonight. We got Butch out there, and he's 
kind of egging Drew McIntyre on. He wants to be scrappy. Let me at him, Scoop! You know, it's a typical shit from uh, Drew McIntyre, uh, or Butch, rather, on Drew McIntyre. So they were in the gorilla position, and Butch tried to, I guess, jump Drew McIntyre before he went through the curtain. So Drew McIntyre threw him, grabbed him, threw him on Sheamus, and then walked through the curtain. Sheamus comes out with Butch. No Ridge Holland out there tonight. Don't know what happened there. And we get this match underway. Good hard-hitting match, as you would expect from these two guys. It's something that we've seen several times over. This is not something new. Yes, it's a rerun. Yes, it's a rehash. Yes, it's a repeat. But the one thing here is this match had meaning. There were stakes involved. Not a filet mignon, not a tomahawk, not a skirt steak, but a steak, meaning the Money in the Bank qualifying match would get one of these guys into the Money in the Bank ladder match. When there are stakes on the line and a match has meaning, then it's more interesting. To me, I'm more invested. And that's exactly what happened to me. Don't know about you guys, but that's what happened to me tonight. We got Drew McIntyre and Sheamus, even though we've seen it a thousand fucking times before. There were stakes on the line, and we got something important that these guys were fighting for. So I enjoyed that. McIntyre and Sheamus, they traded very stiff shots at each other in the corner. McIntyre took over with a hard clothesline. Sheamus, he fought back. McIntyre hit a Michinoku driver on Sheamus. And he goes for a cover, only gets a one count. Sheamus kicks out. McIntyre ended up on the apron. Sheamus gave him the 10 clubbing forearms to the chest. McIntyre recovered, and he gave Sheamus 10 forearms to the chest. Butch interfered, I guess, behind the referee's back, and he helped Sheamus gain control. Sheamus hit a white noise on the apron, and he took control of the match. So Sheamus, he's in control. He hits an Alabama slam for a near fall. He slowed the pace down with, you guessed it, folks. What do WWE in-ring performers slow the pace down with? A chin lock. The very fundamental chin lock applied by Sheamus here on Drew McIntyre. McIntyre broke free. He started to fight back. He caught Sheamus in a very nice-looking belly-to-belly suplex, followed up with a neck breaker. Sheamus then fought back. And McIntyre hit a spine buster. He goes for a cover. only gets himself a two count off the spine buster. Sheamus recovered and hit McIntyre with a future shock DDT. He goes for the cover off the DDT. Only gets a two count. McIntyre again in control here. Hitting Sheamus uh, with a white noise of his own. So he's using Sheamus' own signature moves against Sheamus. But this white noise was off the top rope. Sheamus, he gets up from the white noise off the second turnbuckle. He hits a clothesline, and they start brawling around ringside because both guys went over the top rope. So after the clothesline, they're on the outside, and they start brawling around ringside. The referee is counting. He's up to about a six, a seven, eight, and he was almost at a ten count, and McIntyre and Sheamus decided to pick up two steel chairs and have a dueling fight with steel chairs. At that point, the referee stopped his count, and he disqualified both Drew McIntyre and Sheamus And nobody advances to the Money in the Bank ladder match. Nobody qualifies here tonight in this match on SmackDown. After the match was over, Sheamus and McIntyre continued to brawl over the announce desk, 
Cole wondered which one would qualify for the ladder match. Cole, nobody qualified. It was a double disqualification. Drew McIntyre and Sheamus, they are not going to money in the bank, at least for right now. Now, I know a lot of people had a problem with this. I know a lot of people had a problem with this. Another DQ. Oh, my goodness. Another DQ. How could WWE do such a thing? I know. I know. I don't like the DQ outcome just as much as you guys don't like the DQ outcome. But the thing is, who's to say they don't do this match again next week? After the match was over, Drew McIntyre went to Adam Pearce and said, I want to be put in the Money in the Bank ladder match. WWE is going to do one of two things. Number one, they're going to do this match again. And they may do this match again the following week. We may get a series of matches here a la Mr. Perfect and Doink the Clown in the 1993 King of the Ring, where I believe Mr. Perfect had to wrestle Doink four fucking times before he got into the King of the Ring tournament in the first round to wrestle Mr. Hughes. Now, they could do that. WWE loves their rematches. I could easily see them doing that. And we get a DQ each and every time we get this match. It could happen next week, and they could get a DQ ending out of it again. And then they do it again one more time, because three is the nice number for WWE, right? Three strikes and you're out. And they go to a draw or a DQ, double DQ, three weeks in a row until Adam Pearce puts them both in the Money in the Bank ladder match, and they both represent SmackDown on Friday night. I think that would be a fine way to do that. But the thing is, if Drew McIntyre doesn't end up in the Money in the Bank ladder match, folks, I don't know what the big deal is. I don't know what the big deal is. Why would anybody be out there complaining about Drew McIntyre not qualifying for the Money in the Bank ladder match and not getting in? He's already challenged Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship. He's already challenged Roman Reigns at Clash of the Castle. So why does he need to be in the Money in the Bank ladder match when he already has a guaranteed championship match coming to him in September? So even if they do do this match another couple of times, I wouldn't even put him in there because he's already got a championship match that is almost guaranteed. So put Sheamus in there. Put Sheamus in the Money in the Bank ladder match. Sheamus has done such great work. I think he would be a fine Money in the Bank briefcase holder if they want to give him a shot at the championship. Why not? Drew McIntyre is going to end up beating Roman Reigns anyway. Who's to say we don't get a rekindling of Sheamus and Drew McIntyre? And based on their body of work, I don't think that would be a terrible plan or, or a match for the world championship. Sheamus deserves an opportunity in there. His body of work speaks for itself. So I don't know why people are upset over the DQ ending. Drew McIntyre is already getting a championship match. Who gives a shit? Who gives a shit? If Drew McIntyre didn't come out last week and claim that he was challenging Roman Reigns at Clash of the Castle, and then we got the DQ ending, then I would have been upset. But there's nothing really to be upset about here. He's already getting a championship match, so if we get a DQ ending here with Drew McIntyre involved, it's not the end of the fucking world. So just calm down. Michael Cole and Pat McAfee discussed Seth Rollins attacking Cody Rhodes on Monday's Raw. They shot a video package recapping the angle, and then Michael Cole goes into saying that Cody Rhodes has had surgery, and the doctors reattached his pectoral muscle to his bone, 
He said, Cody has a long road to recovery and could be out of action for nine months. I looked at this and I said to myself, yeah, right. Cody Rhodes is not going to be out for nine months. This was the tweet that WWE put up. After successful surgery, Cody Rhodes will be out of action for nine months. After a vicious attack by Seth Franklin Rollins, Rhodes has successful surgery on Thursday performed by Dr. Jeffrey Dugas to reattach his pectoral tendon. Rhodes will face a long recovery and will be unable to compete for nine months. I do not think WWE is going to be without Cody Rhodes for nine months. WWE wants to build up the epicness of him coming back. This is all part of their master plan. This is what happens when somebody goes down with this sort of injury, especially somebody like Cody Rhodes. It usually is a five to six month grace period. Barring any setbacks, Cody Rhodes will be back by the Royal Rumble. The only reason why WWE gave you nine months is because nine months will bring Cody Rhodes back right in time before WrestleMania. They want to build up the idiocy of the WWE casuals, and they want you to think that this man is going to miss the Royal Rumble. Cody Rhodes will be number 30 in the Royal Rumble, and it will come down to Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins in the Royal Rumble with Cody Rhodes going on to eliminate Seth Rollins to go to WrestleMania and challenge for the WWE Championship, whomever the champion may be at that point next year. That's why they did, and that's why they said nine months. Yes, Seth Franklin Rollins, it was a play on his name. There was an advertisement for the Atlantic City show at the Hard Rock Casino, and WWE on the advertisement, or Hard Rock, I guess, the casino which will be uh, housing this house show, put Seth Franklin Rollins instead of Seth freaking Rollins. So that's why I said Seth Franklin Rollins. I'm sorry, you guys might have uh, not gotten the joke, but Rollins even, even made fun of it and poked fun of it on his social media, changing his name from Seth freaking Rollins to Seth Franklin Rollins. So that's why they said Cody Rhodes is going to be out for nine months. Cody Rhodes is not going to be out for nine months. John Cena, he was supposed to be out for nine months. And what happened in 2008? He came back in about three or four months. And he had the same injury. And he went on to WrestleMania. And he won that Royal Rumble. So I don't think Cody Rhodes is going to be out for nine months. I think it's going to be just in time for the Royal Rumble. And Cody Rhodes will be in the Royal Rumble with a big, big epic return to the WWE. Kayla Braxton, she interviewed Lacey Evans. Lacey Evans is making her in-ring return on Friday Night SmackDown. She asked what winning the Money in the Bank ladder match would mean to her. Lacey said this is her opportunity to earn the chance to cash in anywhere, anyplace. She looked at the camera and said, we all can let setbacks define us, or we could wake up and win. And then she said something that has been on my mind all night, and I'm still trying to figure out what it meant because I don't know what the fuck it means, and she came off like a complete blithering idiot. She says, I might not be better than Zia Lee, but she damn sure isn't better than me. 
There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm trying to figure out what exactly that means. I might not be better than Zia Lee, but she damn sure isn't better than me. I don't know. I'm very confused by that last line there. I think they may have to go back to the woodshed on that one. Don't know. Lacey made her entrance. Michael Cole called her inspirational. I call her channel-changing. She's trying to qualify for her second money in the bank ladder match. So, Zia Lee. Zia Lee gets an entrance. Surprising she got an entrance. And the match barely lasted, I would say, two and a half minutes. They gave these women out there two and a half minutes for a qualifying match for the money in the bank ladder match. Pretty, pretty bad out there. Fans were pretty much watching this with no vested interest whatsoever. Lacey Evans is as cringe as they come Nobody wants to hear the fucking sob story being jammed down their throat, and you have to be told to like it and respect it. That's a very easy way to turn people off from what you are doing like that. Zia Lee, this is legitimately her fourth match on SmackDown being drafted to the brand in October. This is only her fourth match. So when Zia Lee comes out and there are fucking crickets in the arena when her music goes off, it's not that very difficult to figure out why. Two and a half minutes. Zia Lee had an early advantage here with a suplex. She goes for a quick cover. She slowed the pace down with a chin lock. Everybody slows the pace of their WWE matches down with a chin lock, man. It's like it's plastered everywhere in the back. When you have a downtime during commercial or right before a commercial break, you got to slow the match down with a chin lock. Always the chin lock, man. Lacey Evans broke free of said chin lock. Hit an uppercut to gain control. She followed with a very sloppy looking Bronco Buster. And then all of a sudden she hits the woman's rights. Her version of Big Show's WMD. And that was it. One, two, three. Lacey Evans qualifies for the women's money in the bank ladder match. The fact that Lacey Evans is in money in the bank goes to show you how terrible SmackDown's women's division really is. Zia Lee, goodbye, honey. I guarantee you that Zia Lee, whenever the releases happen, because you know they're coming, you know they're coming, man, and you guys can call me a heartless fucking prick. Oh, nobody should be talking about who's getting released. 
Give me a break, folks. You can see the writing on the wall. Zia Lee is getting a phone call from Johnny Laurinaitis. Nipple power. Zaya, it's not you. It's just budget cuts. I'll see you down at the dumpling shop for lunch. That's exactly what's going to happen. Zaya Lee's getting cut. No doubt about it. If she, if she survives the budget cuts, I'd be shocked. But WWE, man, they want to boast that she's the first Chinese-born women's athlete to make the WWE main roster, right? I, I figured WWE would use that to their advantage. Hasn't done anything on SmackDown. What a complete waste of fucking time. This match was a complete waste of time. Lacey Evans, God help our fucking souls. If Lacey Evans wins the goddamn Money in the Bank ladder match, man, I would not be surprised if WWE gives her the Money in the Bank briefcase to force the Lacey Evans narrative. Don't want to see it. Don't care. Drew McIntyre. He approached Adam Pearce in his office. He demanded that Pearce put him in the Money in the Bank ladder match. Adam Pearce says, well, it's not that easy, big man. It's not that easy. Drew McIntyre continued to say, Put me in the Money in the Bank ladder match. Drew put his hand on Pierce's shoulder, looked serious, and told him a third time, put me in the match. So more than likely, we're getting another rematch between Drew McIntyre and Sheamus on next week's Friday Night SmackDown. Ladies and gentlemen, grab your pillows. Grab your pillows. Go make yourself a hot chamomile tea, right? Make sure you guys wash your face before you lay off into fucking dreamland. Make sure you go brush your teeth, man. If you need me to read your bedtime story, man, I'm not, I'm not the kind of guy you want to hear a bedtime story from, man. All you need is Ronda Drowsy. Ronda's out there. She makes her way to the ring, smiling. Yeah, because she's a baby fish. She's a baby fish champion, right? Smiling, right? She's out there. And Rousey's in the middle of the ring. <laughs> she said, I can't wait. Throw money in the bank. I want to prove to Natalia that her armbar is superior and that her sharpshooter is Nothing more than a cheap imitation that you stole from Uncle Bret Hart. Shotzi then interrupted. I don't know why. It's like this woman has a fucking death wish, Shotzi. She interrupts. And Ronda Rousey continues to be as cringe as I've ever heard Ronda Rousey on SmackDown. She yelled, Shotzi, shut up, Ronda. Shotzi's after my own heart, man. Telling Ronda Rousey to shut up. Oh, my goodness, man. So she yelled for Ronda to shut up. She says she might not have Natalia's experience or a fancy submission move like Ronda, but she's got some serious aggression and a killer instinct. She said if she's the champion, she says she is. She wouldn't wait until money in the bank for a fight. She said the baddest woman on the planet won't have a problem facing her right here, right now. Ronda agreed to a match with Shotzi Blackheart. So, if she wins, 
If Shotzi wins, she gets a future title shot against Ronda Rousey. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't we get Natalia? Did we get Natalia getting the number one contendership in a six-pack challenge against Ronda Rousey at the Money in the Bank pay-per-view? If Ronda and Natalia are the number one women's title program right now on Friday Night SmackDown and Natalia won a championship contender's fucking six-pack challenge, why are we out here making Shotzi wrestle for a championship contender's match when the championship contender is Natalia? I don't really understand that. Now, nobody really expected Ronda Rousey to lose to Shotzi Blackheart, but none of it makes sense. None of it made sense. So Shotzi's out there, pretty much WWE just using her to get some television exposure and fill some TV time. This is not the kind of exposure that Shotzi Blackheart needs because this match wasn't really all that good. And you talk about Zia Lee being on the list of Johnny Lawrence's budget cuts. I could absolutely see Shotzi Blackheart being a part of those budget cuts as well. So again, I mean, the match wasn't terrible, but Shotzi, never mind Ronda, I was paying more attention to to Shotzi to see how she would fare in this match with Ronda Rousey. Because Ronda's not all that good anyway. So I was very curious to see what Shotzi was going to do in the ring with somebody as inexperienced as Ronda Rousey. Again, the crowd was quiet for most of this. Nobody gives a shit about Shotzi Blackheart. Ronda Rousey is as dull and fucking boring as Turkey Hill Vanilla Ice Cream. And I love Turkey Hill Ice Cream, man. But she is as boring as regular Vanilla Bean Ice Cream. Holy shit. So, Shotzi took over the match with a wild offensive flurry in the beginning. Snap neck man, kick to the back of the head. Rousey briefly gained control. Shotzi fought back with a submission hold on the ropes. Rousey escaped and reversed it into an ankle lock. Shotzi broke free. Rousey then was stalking Shotzi around ringside. Shotzi hit a beautiful tornado DDT on the outside off the apron. She rolls Ronda back in the ring and gets her near fall on Ronda. That was nicely done. Not so bad up until this point for Shotzi Blackheart. Shotzi then all of a sudden catches Ronda Rousey with a vicious kick right to the face. Ronda Rousey went down like a sack of potatoes. So Shotzi goes for a cover, and you could physically see Shotzi Blackheart mouth to Ronda Rousey. Are you okay? Are you okay? That one was a legit kick to the face. So after the kick to the head of Ronda Rousey, this match went completely downhill. Because Shotzi at that point didn't know what to do. I'm assuming Shotzi at that point got a little nervous because she thought she actually injured Ronda Rousey or knocked her fucking brains out. So it took Shotzi a little bit to regain some of that control she had earlier in the match. And it was because of the kick to the head. She was a little concerned for Ronda Rousey. So Shotzi caught Rousey with this kick. She slowed the pace down and worked over Ronda's arm. Rousey escaped. Shotzi hit a suplex for a two count. Shotzi hit a series of strikes until Ronda caught her leg. She threw Shotzi across the ring with a suplex. She's now taking over the match. Rousey struggled to get Shotzi up, but hit Piper's pit. Anyway, it looked like she had some back problems there. She couldn't lift Shotzi up all the way. She did the Piper's pit. 
Locked in the armbar, and Shotzi Blackheart tapped to Ronda Rousey. After the match, Natalia jumped Rousey from behind and locked in the sharpshooter. Rousey refused to tap out to Natalia at the end of the match. Later, Rousey was in the trainer's room refusing help. Kayla Braxton noted that Ronda Rousey's injury is serious, and she might not get cleared to compete at Money in the Bank. Oh, Ronda will be at Money in the Bank. Ronda will definitely be at Money in the Bank. Or WWE could pull the fucking curtain over everybody's face and have Roman and Ronda miss the show because the show at the MGM Grand is already sold out in Las Vegas. And WWE might not need, they, they feel like they might not need Roman Reigns and Ronda Rousey on the show and they could get away with everything just being centered around the Money in the Bank ladder matches. But that's not really giving people... Their money's worth for these overpriced WWE seats that you pay good money for, your hard-earned money to go sit there in front of a live audience to watch this shit show known as World Wrestling Entertainment. Now, I wouldn't be caught dead buying a fucking ticket to a WWE show because largely they're fucking boring. But WWE better put Ronda on this show. Otherwise, I feel like there'll be some shitstorm coming to them on social media. And they don't really want that, but... WWE doesn't seem like the kind of company that gives a fuck what you think. This shit sucks, man. The overall state of the women's division on SmackDown is fucking horrendous. This shit sucks. It really does suck. I don't understand how anybody can look at this shit and say, hey, SmackDown's a good show. SmackDown's got a damn good women's division. No, they don't. No, they don't. It's Ronda Rousey, and that's it. And Raquel Rodriguez... She has to sit on the side of the smiley, smiley Raquel. <laughs> you know, Raquel Rodriguez, Gonzalez, going to sit on the sidelines because she's by default the best thing that they have on that division. And she can't do jack shit right now because it's the Ronda Rousey show. Shotzi sucks. Zia Lee sucks. Natalia is as fucking dull as bathwater. This division is fucking terrible, man. I don't know what Lacey Evans. Oh my goodness. This division is fucking garbage. There's nothing exciting about the SmackDown women's division. Megan Morantz interviewed Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle mentioned the bloodline injuring his best friend, Randy Orton. And he says that he will go on to win the undisputed WWE Heavyweight Championship. I mean, I'd love to see Matt Riddle become a WWE Champion at some point, but he's not beating Roman Reigns. He's not beating Roman Reigns. So, WWE, they are not giving us this match at Money in the Bank, which I do think should be at Money in the Bank to give Riddle that big exposure, but WWE is doing this match next week. That is, if Matt Riddle beats Sami Zayn tonight, which he did, that was the story of tonight's show. He's got to beat Sami Zayn to get the title match with Roman Reigns, and that match is going to happen next week on Friday night. Ricochet. He went one-on-one with Gunther. With Ludwig Kaiser. This was for the Intercontinental Championship. I was looking forward to this match, and all I continued to think about during this match was, man, I wonder what Triple H would do with these two in NXT, given the circumstances here that they're now on the same roster. I wonder what Triple H would do with these guys if he had them in NXT at the same time. 
Can you imagine these two guys wrestling over the North American Championship? I think that would be one of a one hell of a match, man. It may end up being match of the year if Triple H had a fucking hand in it on NXT if black and gold was still a thing, right? So, Ricochet, WWE should be ashamed of themselves on how they have handled Ricochet ever since he got called up from NXT. Ricochet is the type of guy, and I could say this about most of the talent that WWE has, they don't really deserve anybody, but it is very clear and obvious to me that they don't really deserve the talents of Ricochet on their roster. Ricochet has been miscast. Ricochet has been misused. Ricochet has been underutilized in WWE. And they put the Intercontinental Championship on him, which was a dead title to begin with, for absolutely no reason whatsoever. Now, normally the Intercontinental Championship, with all the fucking prestige and years and years and years of prestige that the Intercontinental Championship has underneath it, you would think putting a title like that on Ricochet would make him feel more important. You would think that that title would make Ricochet feel like a big deal. And it hasn't. The Intercontinental Championship has been dead to rights for a very long time. Look at the last year and a half of this championship. The last time this title was defended on pay-per-view was at WrestleMania 37 when Big E defended the IC title against Apollo Crews, who is now NXT 2.0. <laughs> oh, man. He probably walked down there and said, what the fuck? Apollo Crews and Big E in a Nigerian drum match. I was going to say a Nigerian drug match. Nigerian drum match. I need to be on drugs to find anything redeeming about this fucking show. The title has gone from Big E to Apollo to Shinsuke Nakamura, who held it for all those months and did nothing with it. He was injured. WWE put and kept the Intercontinental title on somebody that was fucking injured. Then Sami Zayn won it, and then it went to Ricochet, and he's done nothing with it. I need somebody to tell me what Ricochet has done of note or of value with the Intercontinental Championship. I'll wait. I'll wait. I'll take a sip of my liquid death, my cold beverage, and, and, I, and I'll check the chat, and I'll see what people come up with. What has Ricochet done with the Intercontinental Championship of value and of note that I should be aware of. The answer is nothing. The answer is nothing. Ricochet is so fucking dead and buried in WWE that he didn't do anything for the IC title, and the IC title has been dead and buried that it didn't even do anything at all for Ricochet. He defended it against Angel and Humberto. That's the best that you guys got. It's great. Listen, folks, Ricochet, you know, with the amounts of talent that Ricochet possesses, this guy should be one of the biggest baby faces in all of the company. This guy should be challenging for WWE championships. This guy should be winning money in the bank. WWE doesn't realize what they have in Ricochet. Seriously. He motivated Aaliyah. That's the extent of his intercontinental title run. He does everything so perfect. 
Everything that Ricochet does in that ring is fucking seamless. He sold his fucking ass off for Gunther tonight. He does it for everybody. He's been doing it all of his career. He's so good at what he does, man. His offense is fucking great. It's smooth. It's crisp. It's pretty. It's impactful. Everybody shits on Ricochet because, oh, well, uh, he can't cut a promo. So what? So what? He can't cut a fucking promo. Then you work with him on cutting promos and you work with him getting better on promos. This is, this is typical WWE. They want to highlight the man's weaknesses and hold it against him instead of using him for the 10 other fucking things he's great at. Now, let's harp on the one thing he ain't good at, but he's great at the nine other fucking things. I don't understand these people. I don't get it. WWE is very lucky to have somebody like Ricochet, and all that they are doing, honestly, all that they are doing is driving him out of the company. Because when that man's contract is up, you think he's going to fucking stay with the WWE? I know that this man, no matter how much money they offer him, he may end up taking it. And if he ends up taking it, he's a fucking idiot. Because they don't value him. If they did, he'd be a lot better off where he is now than what we saw of him in the last four years. WWE doesn't value him. WWE, you know when they'll value Ricochet when his contract is, oh, no, 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 we love you. We want to push you. And then they'll give him a fucking five-year deal. They'll sign him to big money. They'll push him for three months, make believe that they want him, and pretend that they are going to do something for him. And then when the uh, contract starts to fucking go month by month by month, uh, you know, we, you know, we don't really, we, we, thanks for signing, man. Thanks for signing. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to put you in this match, and we're going to bury you for the next fucking three years. Come on, man. Give me a fucking break with this shit. Ricochet should be out there having fucking barn burner match of the year fucking classics and still make his money on top of that, man. You don't think this man wants to go out there and fucking rekindle his love for pro wrestling? You don't think this man wants to go out there and have fucking barn burner matches that he was having in NXT and before he joined NXT? Come on, man. You know that this guy's heartbroken about the way he's being used. No matter what facade he puts on. Oh, Intercontinental Champion. Oh, this and that. This man's greatest accomplishment in WWE was dating Samantha Irvin. That's Ricochet's greatest accomplishment in WWE. And I mean that wholeheartedly. What WWE's done with him is a fucking joke. So now we get Gunther. Now we get Gunther. You all knew Gunther was going to win this Intercontinental. There was absolutely no fucking way that Ricochet was, losing, was winning this match. He was always losing this match. Gunther won the Intercontinental Championship tonight. This match was fun. Went nine minutes. I'd like to see these two go out of the gear. I don't think these guys were given nearly enough time to sell an Intercontinental Championship match, but we got nine minutes. Most of it happened in the commercial. So they did a tail of the tape beforehand. I don't know why we need a tail of the tape. I, I think our eyeballs are enough for a tail of the tape. The tail of the tape in this case was done to embarrass Ricochet. Because Walter is obviously bigger. He's a lot stronger, right? He's got a, a longer reach. He's got this and this, and he's got the weight advantage. He's got the height advantage. Ricochet's got nothing of an advantage on Gunther. So the tail of the tape was only done to further embarrass Ricochet and make him look weak and make him look small as Intercontinental Champion. Now, now typically, you would do this to kind of sell the David vs. Goliath match, but 
WWE didn't really do anything with these guys to build a David vs. Goliath storyline. So, Ricochet tried locking up with Gunther, but Gunther was way too strong. Ricochet tried using his speed to mount some offense. Gunther quickly recovered and rocked Ricochet with an absolutely nauseating chop. I don't know how that, that man felt after that, but I would not want to be him at all. So, he went for a powerbomb. Uh, we got... Actually, no, I'm sorry. I'm speeding up here. Uh, big chop. He put Ricochet in the corner, stepped on his head. Gunther was taking it to Ricochet with a big boot. Then he went for the powerbomb. Ricochet reversed into a sunset flip bomb for a near fall. Ricochet took over for a little bit, sent him into the corner. Ricochet went for a springboard, but Gunther caught him with a sleeper. Ricochet broke free. Gunther recovered and destroyed Ricochet with a clothesline. He went for the sleeper on the apron, but Ricochet broke free again. Ricochet, all of a sudden on the apron, kicks Ludwig Kaiserroll in the face with a super kick. He followed up with a moonsault off the middle rope and a standing shooting star press on Gunther. And then all of a sudden, he kips up. Gunther rocked him with an absolutely vicious shotgun dropkick. He then hit the powerbomb and a very... Anticlimactic ending. We got Gunther with the power bomb and the one, two, three. Gunther is the new intercontinental champion. Now, there was a report that Fightful put out on their Patreon. This comes from Fightful Select. Apparently, WWE is very high on Gunther. So, Fightful is reporting that Gunther has impressed many people of influence in WWE. Now, he's a former NXT UK champion, and he's had plenty of supporters dating back to his time in NXT UK. And then when he worked in NXT under Triple H, he's got a lot to like. He's a big, tall, scary dude. He's legit. He is one of the best wrestlers in the entire fucking planet, on the entire planet, in the entire world. And he's got a great character where he could be a great villain. So I don't know what there isn't to like uh, about Gunther. So the report says many things have put him in favor with WWE officials, including his move to the United States and his dedication to his diet and training. Now, as previously reported, Gunther lost weight prior to his main roster arrival because Vince McMahon wants slim people on TV. From the time he was sent to the United States full-time, it was always planned that he would go to the main roster, according to Fightful and the report. Gunther's willingness to play ball and make the best out of his move as well as his lifestyle and ring name changes have made great, uh, great impressions. It was added that one source indicated that McMahon has enjoyed Gunther's in-ring work based on what he's seen of it on SmackDown. So pretty much what the report from Fightful is saying is that Gunther is being very professional. He has not given any lip to WWE about anything. And there are things that, you know, a normal individual would kind of combat if they were argumentative at all. You know, the name change was ridiculous. The name change was something that I didn't really agree with, but we ended up getting used to it anyway. I still don't like it, but I mean, it's not really a fucking topic of discussion anymore. I think we're all past that. 
phase in this uh, Gunther getting called up to the main roster. His theme music sucks. They changed his theme music again. I was just getting used to the Def Rebel song that they fucking changed. They took Symphony Number no. 9 away from him, and I don't understand why. That theme song fit him perfectly. Now, that's something I would fucking complain about because the theme song that they gave him and this new current theme song that they debuted tonight does not fit his look and his demeanor at all. The last one wasn't bad. The last one just needed to be reworked. They gave him a brand new theme tonight. So Walter Gunther is doing what he needs to do, man. He's not saying much of anything. He's just doing what WWE wants him to do. He's looking the part. He's doing what he's got to do in the ring. He's being a model locker room guy. Fine. So it looks like they rewarded him based on that. Now, what do you do with Gunther? What do you do with Gunther? He's now the Intercontinental Champion. You made him the Intercontinental Champion. Fine. Now, the look of of Gunther and the size of Gunther and how legit Gunther is, is great. But what we need to do now is not just keep the title on him and have him bring prestige to the title because of who he is. We need to have that title showcased now. You're not putting the title on Gunther to just have it sit on Gunther and have him and his name value bring prestige to the championship. That's not what his gimmick and his character is about. It's about being the ring general and bringing prestige and honor to this great sports of professional wrestling. That's what he's about. So I don't know who he's going to defend that title against and how often he's going to defend that title on SmackDown, but we need to start getting that title on pay-per-views. We need to start getting Gunther some legit competition. And this is why the brand split needs to die. This is why it needs to go away. I love when people tell me that the brand split is going to make, if it ends, it's going to make the shows worse. I don't know how worse it could be than what we see right now. And I love when people tell me that if they end the brand split, the shows are going to be worse and no one's going to get opportunity there's nobody getting an opportunity now. The fuck you talking about no one's getting an opportunity. Nobody's getting an opportunity now. And this situation with Walter, with Gunther, now the Intercontinental Champion, th- this is all I need to go and use as my argument. You got this guy, the Intercontinental Champion, and he's operating under a brand split on Friday night. And that is the only show we could go on and be on. He can't go travel to Monday Night Raw and put the IC title on the line. Not in the middle of a brand split. So who exactly is he going to defend that title against? Who is going to get a shot at the Intercontinental title? We're going to see Ricochet get another match? I wouldn't mind that. But Ricochet's not winning that title back. That's another story for a different day. What happens to Ricochet? He may be getting a phone call from People Power. You know, I don't know. But... Gunther versus Ricochet, we could do that again. Gunther versus Big E? I don't know. Big E, I don't know when Big E's coming back. We could see that happen. I know Xavier Woods has made mention he wants a shot at the Intercontinental title. Let's do Xavier Woods versus Gunther. I think that'd be great. I think Xavier Woods deserves a shot solo at a singles championship. We've gotten the Big E run. We've gotten the Kofi run. I'd love to see the Xavier Woods run. I honestly think Xavier Woods is probably the second best in Big in New Day behind Big E. I always thought Kofi was the weakest link of the New Day. 
So Xavier Woods. All right, that's, that's two guys. All right, Ricochet, Xavier Woods. Matt Cat Moss. He just finished with Baron Corbin. Seemingly WWE likes him a lot. I don't, I don't see Mad Cat Moss beating Walter or Gunther for the Intercontinental Championship. Who else is there? Drew McIntyre? Is Drew McIntyre going to go after the Intercontinental Champion? I don't think so. He's already staked claim at Roman Reigns and the Undisputed Universal Championship. Drew Gulak? No. Drew Gulak and Gunther is not a match that I really care to see. Drew Gulak is also getting a phone call from Johnny Lourdes. No. Sheamus? I could see Sheamus. I could see Sheamus versus Gunther. I think that'd be a hell of a fucking match. Jinder Mahal? Shanky? Who else do we got? Who else do we got on Friday Night SmackDown? There is nobody. Now you're opening up a brand new fucking can of worms. Who is there? There is nobody. Unless WWE ends the brand split and we have Raw and SmackDown operating as one fucking brand. That's it. I don't know how anybody could see this and not complain. The brand split is absolutely sabotaging and handicapping everything about the WWE product. Because now you made somebody like Gunther, who is a tremendous fucking guy that they're lucky to have, and he's got no competition for the Intercontinental Championship. This is going to be a fucking problem. This is going to be a problem, man. You watch. You watch what happens. I don't know how they're going to get themselves out of it, but I'm going to keep a close eye on it, and you're going to go right back to this video and say, well, J.D. was right. J.D. was right once again. When am I ever wrong is what I want to know. Gunther is your new intercontinental champion. In the back, Sami Zayn was warming up for his match. Paul Heyman approached Sami Zayn. He noted that if Sami Zayn wins, he will have an excellent shot at getting into the bloodline. But if Zayn loses, Heyman didn't even say what happens if he loses. You don't want to see Roman Reigns if you lose. So, Heyman was on commentary, and I love the chemistry between Sami Zayn and Paul Heyman. I think they have some great chemistry. So, he makes his way to the ring. He's excited, but obviously, there's a lot of stakes on the line here for Sami Zayn and Matt Riddle. So, we got this main event match of Riddle and Sami Zayn. If Riddle wins, he gets a shot at Roman Reigns next week in the Universal Championship. If Sami Zayn loses, uh, he is... uh, or if Sami Zayn wins, rather. Sami Zayn wins, he is in the bloodline, and Matt Riddle is banned from SmackDown forever. If Matt Riddle wins, then Sami Zayn has the bloodline to answer to, and Matt Riddle gets a Universal Championship match. So this was a very good match. I, I mean, I don't really expect anything less from these two guys. They're both fantastic fucking pro wrestlers. So Heyman joined Michael Cole and Pat McAfee on commentary. McAfee pushed that Heyman got Zayn the match. And Cole speculated that Reigns doesn't even know about it. So Riddle had an early advantage. He took it to Zayn with a gut-wrench suplex and a powerbomb. He followed up with a Broton. Zayn then kind of lured Riddle out of the ring and took over the match. He sent Riddle to the announce desk, and he's beating him up on the outside. 
Back in the ring, Zayn slowed the pace down with the chin lock. Everybody with the fucking chin locks, man. So Riddle fired up. He's making a babyface comeback. Hits a running forearm. Zayn got a near fall with a small package. Zayn took over. He shoved Riddle off the top rope into the barricade. Zayn hit a brain buster for it too. Zayn was in control again, and he tried to win by countout. So Riddle jumped back in the ring, and Zayn slowly climbed to the top row. Riddle ran up and went for a super RKO. Zayn pushed him off and went for a crossbody. Riddle rocked Zayn with a jumping knee in midair. Zayn regained control and mocked Randy Orton. He then hit the draping DDT and set up for the RKO. Riddle snapped and rocked Zayn with a knee right to the face, followed up with a running kick off the apron. Riddle hit the floating bro. Crowd starting to get into it. Riddle hit a power slam and a draping DDT. Very Randy Orton-esque with his offense. In a great spot here, Riddle went for an RKO, but Zayn countered into the blue thunder bomb for a near fall. That was awesome. He went for an RKO, but Sami Zayn caught him and countered into a blue thunder bomb. I love that blue thunder bomb, man. Sami Zayn always makes it look so beautiful. Riddle went for a bro Derek. But Sami Zayn escaped. Zayn went for the Huluva kick, but Riddle hit the RKO out of the Huluva kick for the one, two, three. And Matt Riddle earns himself a Universal Championship match against Roman Reigns next week on Friday Night SmackDown. So I love the fact that Matt Riddle is getting a championship match. I love the fact that Matt Riddle's getting a championship match. I would prefer it to be at the pay-per-view instead of on Friday Night SmackDown. But, you know, beggars can't be choosers. So I think it's going to be a really, really great test for Matt Riddle on Friday night to go in there and do what he's got to do against Roman Reigns, really show everybody that he's a main event guy, and have a great match with Roman Reigns. Now, I am very opinionated on Roman Reigns missing two pay-per-views in a row, especially... One of those two pay-per-views being one of the big five pay-per-views that WWE has all year. Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, Money in the Bank, SummerSlam, and Survivor Series. WWE having Roman Reigns miss Money in the Bank, I believe, is inexcusable. I don't think he should be missing two pay-per-views in a row. It really makes putting the title on him feel like a stupid fucking decision. Like, why are you putting the Universal and WWE titles on him And he's going to miss two pay-per-views in a row now. If he's your world champion, then he should be on TV. And if he's going to be out for an extended period of time, he certainly doesn't need two fucking championships. I honestly think it was just one championship. I don't think people would be complaining because at least we would have the WWE championship to look forward to on Monday night. But now you're leaving the championships on one guy. He's out all these fucking weeks. And Monday Night Raw doesn't even have a world fucking champion. They got nothing to fight about or nothing to fight over. That's the part I am upset about. Now, but nobody knows why Roman Reigns is out. Could be a leukemia flare-up. Could be something of a private family matter. You could just have paid fucking vacation. But, again, you opted to put the WWE title on him, and now you left Monday Night Raw without a fucking world champion. And SmackDown and Raw both kind of feel lifeless without the top two championships on the show. It also goes to show you that WWE is all about the bloodline and nobody else. And it kind of makes the WWE title look a little weak as well. 
I don't really understand anything that they're doing. I don't get it. But I argued about this, and I gave you guys an extra yesterday. So go check that out. We talk about Roman Reigns missing money in the bank. He's the invisible champion. I don't think that's a good look for the tribal chief. So we got Matt Riddle. His next pay-per-view will be SummerSlam against Randy Orton. And then after that, Drew McIntyre. I'm all but over the Roman Reigns push. I am. I honestly think he's done nothing of value this year with the championships. It's just, let's get Roman Reigns to be the greatest of all time. And you're losing prestige with those Universal and WWE championships the longer he holds it because he's not really doing anything of value or no. After the match was over, the Usos came down and attacked Matt Riddle. And they sold the big match for next week. Riddle recovered. He beat down the Usos with a kendo stick in return. He cleared the ring and celebrated. Fans broke into a big bro chant and he looked into the camera and he said he's coming for Roman Reigns and he's going to be the new undisputed Universal Champion. And that's the way SmackDown went off the air. Decent show. Decent show. Now, WWE advertised last week that we got Max Dupree and the Maximum Male Models. Apparently, WWE promoted that and then not one fucking word about Max Dupree on tonight's show. Apparently, WWE did let everybody know why Max Dupree was not on the show. There was a segment about the Maximum Male Models pulled from tonight's show. Max Dupree was advertised to appear tonight and he was going to reveal the first client under his maximum male model stable. There was no reveal tonight, but WWE said it would happen on next week's show. WWE's explanation for the segment being scrapped this week is that Dupree had travel complications in Europe. Max Dupree was backstage during SmackDown tonight in fucking Louisiana. That's where he was. He wasn't in fucking Europe. WWE did not let anybody know that this was not going to be on the show. So how professional of you, WWE? Wow. No, but Sasha Banks and Naomi are unprofessional for missing a fucking useless and worthless six-pack challenge, right? But here, here, here WWE is again promoting something that did not fucking happen. I love it. The reason why it didn't happen is because WWE doesn't have anybody for the maximum male models. That's why. They don't know who the fuck they want in the maximum male models stable. We'll see what happens next week. Anyway, let's check the chat. I appreciate you guys very much for stopping by the channel tonight, man. 1800. Man, Friday nights suck. Friday nights are awful, man. Maybe Max Dupree has COVID. Could be another reason. I don't know. I have no idea, man. Hit that thumbs up, guys. I see 700 likes on the live stream tonight. Make sure you guys hit that thumbs up. We need a 1,000 minimum on today's OTS, Friday Night Smackdown and AEW Rampage post show. Get those super chats in. We're going to hang out at the end of the show. We got our cold beverages. Hopefully you guys got yours on ice. So get them on in, man. Let me know what you thought of SmackDown tonight. Hit that join button. Become a channel member right here on OTS. Sit VIP with me. You guys get those emotes and those custom badges in the chat. Go check out all the other videos that you might have missed on the channel. 
Everything you need is on the homepage. Extra from Thursday and extra from Wednesday. We did Monday Night Raw in the post show. We did Dynamite on Wednesday. Lots of stuff for you guys to catch up on, as well as the Hell in a Cell stuff from last weekend, man. So go check all that stuff out on the homepage if you missed any of the videos and the live streams on the channel. Follow me on Twitter at JD from NY206. That's Twitter and Instagram. Hit that subscribe button down below and check out my sponsor for tonight's show, man, Audible. Make sure you guys go and check them out. AudibleTrial.com slash scripts. 30 days free of their service and one free audiobook of your choice. Make sure you guys sign up, man. It's absolutely free. You get to browse their service for 30 days and you get one free audiobook as a thank you just for signing up. And if you guys don't like the service at all, you can cancel any time in that 30-day grace period and you will not be charged at all. But you still get to keep your audiobook for free. AudibleTrial.com slash script. Go check them out. And I want to thank them, as always, for being a great sponsor and a friend right here on the podcast, right here on Off the Script. Rampage, man. Rampage started off with Eddie Kingston and Jake Hager. It's a pretty decent match here, man. Jake Hager and Eddie Kingston selling the blood and guts match that is coming up between the Blackpool Combat Club and the Jericho Appreciation Society. This match went 11 minutes. Really good stuff here. Jake Hager is somebody that I don't really care to see in the ring, but man, is he a good pro wrestler, man. Jake Hager is a really good professional wrestler. So is Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston versus Jonah at the next House of Glory show coming up. On Forbidden Door Weekend, man, I will be on the call, as always, with the Solomon Monster in Queens. So, it's going to be awesome. So, we go right into the match. Hager is overwhelming Kingston because of his size early in the match. So, they go out to the floor. Kingston tried to come back with some chops. Hager, he started burying some knees into the midsection of Kingston. They get back in the ring. Hager slowed the match down. He tossed Kingston out to the floor again, suplexed him on the floor. Hager throws Kingston back into the ring. He continued to dominate the match, forearms to Kingston's back. Kingston tried to come back with some knife-edge chops. Hager cut him off with a belly-to-belly suplex, worked on Kingston's arm for a little bit. Kingston escaped with more strikes, but Hager buried another knee into Kingston's midsection to gain control of the match. So, speeding things up here, we got Kingston. He caught Hager in the eye with an eye poke, and then he delivered a DDT. Kingston followed up with a clothesline in the corner, and his signature machine gun chops. Hager came back with a mule kick and a Hager bomb for a near fall. Hager went for a gut wrench suplex, but Kingston countered with an exploder and a backdrop suplex for a near fall of his own. Kingston went for the spinning back fist, but Hager ducked. Dumped Kingston with a double leg takedown and got the ankle lock on Eddie Kingston. Kingston got to the rope to break the hold. Hager worked over Kingston with some punches in the corner. Kingston countered with the powerbomb. He then uh, hit a spare, uh, a pair of spinning back fists. He got not one, but two spinning back fists. And I love the commentary team claiming that Hager was still standing after one and it took two of Eddie Kingston's spinning back fists to put Jake Hager down for the count. One, two, three. 
and that was it. Obviously, this is not the uh, typical barn burner open that we usually see to an AEW show. Not like last week where we got the Young Bucks versus the Lucha Brothers. This was a little bit more story-driven, a little bit more slow, a little bit more methodical in the pacing. Not bad by any stretch, but, you know, you're used to that open fucking just coming out of the gates, firing on all cylinders type of match on Rampage. But this was fun. This was fun. We got Eddie Kingston winning here, and he beats Jake Hager to uh, kind of give the favor or give the edge here going into Blood and Guts to the Blackpool Combat Club. Now, Jericho will have a shot on Wednesday to right the ship and get the momentum back in the JAS favor. He's going one-on-one with Ortiz in a hair versus hair match on Dynamite. Road Rager is happening on Wednesday, so that should be interesting. I just can't visibly see Chris Jericho shaving his hair on Wednesday night. I can't see it. But stranger things have happened, man. So we're going to get that on Wednesday. This was a decent match. Eddie Kingston gets the victory over Jake Hager. Tony Schiavone, he interviewed Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. Baker took some problems, had some problems with Tony Storm, putting her hands on the AEW Women's Championship belt last Wednesday. She came out and helped Thunder Rosa after her terrible match. Not so much on Rosa, but Marina Shafir. Terrible match with Maria Shafir. Uh, Tony Storm came out to help Thunder Rosa, picked up the title, and looked at it, potentially teasing a match with Thunder Rosa for the AEW Women's Championship. Britt Baker took offense to this and did not like Tony Storm putting her hands on the AEW title. Baker doesn't appreciate Storm trying to cut the line to a title shot. The road to the women's title goes through Baker. According to Baker, at least, I sense a three-way coming for this women's championship. Not really all that keen on a three-way, but I want to see Storm versus Thunder Rosa. I don't want Britt Baker to get back involved with the AEW Women's Championship. I don't think she needs to be there at all. She's already a made woman. I think we need to start building the division around the likes of Thunder Rosa and Tony Storm and Ruby Soho. Get Chris Statlander involved. We got Athena now and maybe some more women still coming in to join the fray. If we are going back and we are going to resort to Britt Baker and her being the women's champion again or even teasing anywhere close to that happening, I think that is completely the most wrong direction possible. Nobody wants to see Britt Baker as the AEW women's champion again. I hope that it's not a three-way. I just get a sense that it's going to be a three-way, but I hope it's not. Even though it should be a fine match, and it doesn't really, it doesn't really guarantee Britt Baker going to win the championship, I don't think Britt Baker needs to be competing for the championship. And like we talked about on Wednesday with Jesse, more and more and more, you're starting to get a sense that she's becoming the Charlotte Flair, not as nauseating as Charlotte. Nobody can be as nauseating as Charlotte. But she's starting to become, she's, she's starting to develop that aura about her on Dynamite and, and, and on Rampage. And I don't want to see that. I don't think that's a good look for Britt Baker. Ortiz, he cut a nice promo hyping up the hair versus hair match on Wednesday, pretty much claiming that when he cuts Chris Jericho's hair, he isn't going to look like the rock star that he's known to look like. So a nice promo there by Ortiz. Jay Lethal. 
and Satnam Singh defeated Davey Vega and Matt Fitchett. Two jobbers. This was one minute, barely two minutes these guys got. Singh, he did some big man stuff in there. He looked fine. He did. He walked to the ring fine. He moved around in the ring fine. I know me and everybody else blasted this guy's initial debut on Dynamite. He reminded me of the great Kali. He reminded a lot of people of the great Kali. But what he did here tonight, man, I appreciate AEW recognizing their faults and recognizing that people don't want to see a carbon fucking copy of the great Kali here in Satnam Singh. He went in there. He didn't really do much of anything. He moved around the ring pretty decently for a big guy, threw himself around with a nice double cross body block, and that was it. He used his size. He used his fucking... You know, his facial expressions, and he used a couple of moves in this match to get himself over. Fine. Great. I appreciate the fact that they didn't have him go out there and do really much of anything. They just used what brought him to the dance, his his height and his power. That's it. So after the double crossbody, he picked up these two geeks, and he held them by their neck, and Jay Lethal did a double lethal injection for the one, two, three. I don't know if we're still continuing the Jay Lethal and Samoa Joe thing, but I guess we are. They took out Joe, and I guess this is all going to lead to Joe coming back and seeking revenge on Jay Lethal and Satnam Singh. But I hope that we're still going that route because I think that would be kind of shitty if AEW doesn't pick up the story where it was left off with Jay Lethal and Samoa Joe for the Ring of Honor television championship. Now that Samoa Joe is the TV champion, I'm assuming we're going to get another uh, another pay-per-view or another special event from Ring of Honor. I'm, I'm kind of feeling that we may get one SummerSlam weekend. That's just the way I feel about uh, what Tony Khan is doing with Ring of Honor. I feel like he's going to do what he did during WrestleMania weekend with Supercard of Honor. I feel like he's going to do the same thing at SummerSlam. So there will be some AEW representation SummerSlam weekend without actually having it be AEW representation, but it will be Ring of Honor instead. So I think that's going to happen, and I think that's a great place for Jay Lethal and Samoa Joe to battle over the TV championship. So hopefully that is still the case for Jay Lethal and Samoa Joe. Lexi Nair, she interviewed Hookhausen. Danhausen did most of the talking here. Apparently, they bought new Jeeps after their win over Tony Nese and Mark Sterling. They bought new cars with their winnings from the pay-per-view, and Dan Housen and Hook drove off. And where they drove, I don't know. But they are still very much apparent on AEW television. Chris Statlander, she went one-on-one with Red Velvet. This wasn't bad at all. Chris Statlander looked fucking good tonight again. She's looking really, really, really good. Velvet looked good, too. I thought these two had very good chemistry in this match tonight. Velvet tried to jump Statlander on the floor right as the match started. She got power slammed on the floor, which looked vicious by Statlander. Statlander press slammed Velvet back into the ring, hit a running knee, sent Velvet back out to the floor. Statlander took the fight to the floor, in front of the baddies, Jake Cargill and Mr. Bivens, Stokely Hathaway, with Kira Hogan. They were sitting by ringside like they usually do. Velvet tried for a sleeper. 
Statlander climbed up to the middle rope with Velvet on her back and then tossed her into the ring. Statlander went for a delayed suplex, but Velvet slid behind Statlander and clipped her knee, took her out. Velvet then worked over Statlander's knee, and we go to commercial break. We're back from break. Statlander hit a backbreaker and a shoulder breaker to Velvet. Blue thunderbomb from Statlander got her a near fall. Velvet countered an electric chair with a victory roll for a near fall. Statlander hit a German suplex and a fisherman driver for a near fall. Velvet caught Statlander with a knee to the back of the head and a cutter off the middle rope. Velvet then hit a big hook kick for a near fall. Statlander hit the Saturday Night Fever, formerly her Big Bang Theory, and that was pretty much it for the win. After the match, Kara Hogan jumped Statlander in the ring. Cargill caught Statlander on the outside with a big pump kick. Anna Jay ran in and got a sleeper on Hogan, but Cargill dumped her out of the ring. Athena, her music hits the PA system. She runs out, but officials came out and held her back from getting in the ring. So it looks like they are really amping up the Athena and Jade Cargill inevitable match here. So we may be getting that. It looks like we may be getting that. I think we may be getting that at Battle of the Belts not too soon from now. So we will be getting that. And I do think that at the end of all, the Statlander should be the one to take the title from Miss Jade Cargill. But this was a very good match for Statlander. She's been having some really, really good matches. I hope Tony Khan is paying attention. I hope that he's listening to the fans. I hope he's listening to the reaction. I think everybody's high on Statlander now with the, with the gimmick change. She looks great. The intensity is there. And I do think that Statlander is the one to take that title from Jade Cargill when all is said and done. We got a promo from Miro talking about the fact that he's back. Ethan Page cut a promo on Miro Lexinaire interviewed Ethan Page, who gave a pretty damn good promo in response to Miro saying that, you know, Miro may pray to his God about being the former champion and he wants to win the championship so that he could take it back to his God. You know, what about me? What about me? I'm going to set my eyes on finally winning some gold in this company. I don't need a God to pray to. I pray to myself. Ethan Page is always a damn good fucking promo, man. He really is fucking great at what he does. I'm very much looking forward to that match on Wednesday. The winner of that match, I do think, will be Miro. He will get into the Forbidden Door match. Fatal 4 for the All-Atlantic Championship that AEW just unveiled on Wednesday night. Main event. Mark Henry interviewed Will Ospreay, why he was in AEW. Ospreay is here to separate the sheep from the goats. Trent said he never liked Osprey when he met him six years ago. And FTR are two angry dudes and the real best tag team in the world. They're not here to play wrestlers. So we got the main event. It is Will Osprey and the Aussie Open, Kyle Fletcher and Mark Davis. I'm not familiar with these guys whatsoever. But I know Mark Davis is the taller guy of the Aussie guys. And he looked very intimidating with his mustache. And he looked like just one of those uh, bruiser-type guys. Really good look to him. And they were very good. Whoever these two guys are, man, like I said, not really too keen on who they are, but they were very good. Trent Barrett and FTR, Will Ospreay. It's crazy to see Will Ospreay in an AEW ring. He is so fucking good at what he does. I've had the pleasure of calling two matches of his in, in House of Glory. Awesome. And this was a great main event. 
This was a really good main event, man. Dax and Will Ospreay started out. This was awesome. Uh, Wheeler got the tag, took Ospreay down with a shoulder block. Ospreay kept up. He made a tag to Kyle Fletcher. Wheeler got in, and he got caught in the corner and overpowered by Mark Davis. Beretta got the tag. He got chopped to the mat by Davis. So the Aussies and Will Ospreay, they were in control. So Ospreay got the tag, and Beretta caught him with a tornado DDT. The Aussie Open ran in, got clotheslined to the floor by FTR. Beretta hit Osprey with the acai moonsault, tweaked his ankle on the landing. Hopefully, he's all right. Beretta got caught on top, on the top rope. So we go to a commercial break. So Beretta backdropped Osprey, hit Fletcher with an enziguri. Davis ducked the enziguri and landed a uh, and landed on top of Beretta with a senton for a near fall. Beretta dodged a running drop kick in the corner. And Fletcher landed on, on the back of his head, which looked nasty. Beretta got the tag to Harwood, and he took out both members of the Aussie Open with suplexes. Harwood hit Osprey with some short-arm clotheslines. Harwood hit three rolling German suplexes on Fletcher. Wheeler hit a powerbomb on Fletcher into a German suplex on Harwood into a jackknife cover from Wheeler on Fletcher for a great near fall. FTR is so fucking good, man. So fucking good. Speeding it up here. Aussie Open hit an assisted cutter on Wheeler, and Osprey followed with a beautiful 450 splash that went for a near fall. Osprey hit the Oss cutter for a near fall. Wheeler kicked out of the Oss cutter. Wheeler hit a Hurricanrana on Fletcher and got a tag into Beretta. Beretta hit a backdrop suplex and a lariat on Fletcher. Beretta went for a tornado DDT on Osprey. He shrugged it off. He then took out both members of FTR with a slingshot plancha. Back in the ring, Beretta hit Shrung Zero on Fletcher and got. The pinfall victory. I was actually shocked that Will Ospreay's team did not get the victory here, being that this was his in-ring debut for AEW. But he did not take the pin. It was Fletcher, Kyle Fletcher, who took the pinfall loss in this match. What is Will Ospreay doing at the Forbidden Door? I don't know. I leave it up to you guys, man. That's your question. Let me know in the Super Chats. What is Will Ospreay going to do at the Forbidden Door? Seeing that he's been out for a long time, I could see, not, not to say that I don't want it, but I could see Will Ospreay versus Orange Cassidy at the Forbidden Door because the kind of place ties into the best friends with Trent Beretta and you got Chucky e. T and Orange Cassidy. So we'll see what happens with that. But he's definitely going to be at the Forbidden Door, but you're going to want to put a quality opponent in there with Will Ospreay, man. I mean, this is a uh, lifetime event. People have been waiting years for this shit. So we will see what happens with Will Ospreay. He's too good to be left off the show. So it's going to be very interesting to see what he is doing on June 26th in Chicago. Guys, thank you so very much for all your support. Rampage and SmackDown in the books for yet another week, man. Follow me on social media, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter and Instagram. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Make sure you guys hit that thumbs up, man. I see 776 likes. We need 1,000 minimum on tonight's OTS. Next time you guys will see me, maybe tomorrow, with an extra. And you'll see me back live Sunday nights with Off The Script, man. We will be... Going live with your weekly news and rumors Sunday night. So make sure you guys RSVP to the venue 
I appreciate you guys, man. Follow me on social media, like I said, for all the updates. Best way to keep up to date with everything going on. Thank you to Audible, audibletrial.com slash scripts. 30 days free of their service and one free audio book of your choice. And go check out all the other videos that you might have missed on the channel, man. It's last call. Super chats are open. Let's start at the top. Joseph Taylor with a $5 super chat. Why is Lacey Evans on my television? Get her off my TV. That may be the best thing you ever said, Joseph Taylor. That may be the best thing you've ever said. Now that it's coming to me, I said I was going to talk about Paige, the anti-diva. You know what? We're going to talk about that tomorrow on OTS Extra. Going to talk about it tomorrow, man. I don't really, I don't even really even feel like talking about it right now because I want to get out of here. I want to play some Destiny. Joseph Taylor with another super chat, ten dollars super chat. Who knew that Seth Rollins needed Cody Rhodes to give him a five star match? Now, you know what's next, right? Now we need Kenny Omega to give Roman Reigns a five-star match. Man, I'm tired of the Roman Reigns-Kenny Omega comparisons, man. There's nothing to compare there. Seriously. They're both top guys in their company. One bigger than the other. Roman bigger than Omega. Come on. But yes, um, you know... I see, I see a lot of people complaining, and I'll probably talk about this on the extra tomorrow. I see a lot of people complaining that the Cody and Rollins match was not a five-star match, and it was all just about the story of Cody Rhodes being injured. But isn't that what makes a great wrestling match, the story? The story itself was worth five, five stars. The fact that Cody even went in there and did what he did was worth five stars. So, yes, I agree with Dave Meltzer and his rating on that match. John Anton with a 499 Super Chat. There are lots of people like you, but you are my fave. You just tell like it is and are very awesome and entertaining, man. Stay healthy and safe. Thank you, John Anton. Cheers to you, brother. Tony Brown with a 499 Super Chat. JD, I would love a slice of red velvet. I know Tony Brown. I know a lot of people that would like a slice of red velvet. Michelle Moran with a $5 Super Chat. No Roman at Money in the Bank. Doesn't make the champ look good being off TV and missing three pay-per-views. It's a shame how the Tribal Chief storyline has gone downhill. Well, it's two pay-per-views, number one. He missed... Hell in a Cell, and we'll be missing money in the bank. But yes, I, I, I do agree that the champion needs to be on TV. That man should have been on fucking TV. As soon as Cody Rose went down with injury, man. Sitting out pay-per-views with a roster that's weak as hell and a brand split right now that's handcuffing the entire fucking company. Shame on you, man. And then WWE does nothing to fix it. Thank you, Michelle, with the five in Super Chat. I appreciate you guys very, very much. Joseph Taylor with a 2 Super Chat. Congratulations on your Braves winning nine games, he says. Thank you, Joseph. Now, if they lose tomorrow, Joseph, I'm going to blame you. Okay? Chris Elliott, 1989, with a $5 Super Chat. My favorite ECHL team, the Toledo Walleyes, 
and their season might be over after tomorrow night. Toledo is down three games to one in the ECHL Kelly Cup Finals. Chris Elliott, I'm sorry to hear that, bro. I have no fucking clue what you're talking about. Is this amateur hockey, bro? I don't watch hockey, man. I'm sorry. Daniel Easter Day becomes a new member. Daniel, thank you for becoming a member in the inside the OTS venue and sitting VIP, man. You guys are going to be sitting somewhere fucking really nice for the uh, VIP club inside the new OTS beer garden, man. Yeah, can't wait to show you guys what's going on. John Anton, 199 Super Chat. If you could date one diva, who would it be? John, I'm going to need you to uh, elaborate on that question right now, man. A diva from the Divas era or somebody in the current? division Jonathan McCardle with a 1999 super chat thanks for watching Smackdown so I don't have to I loved Rampage tonight I was sipping on Buffalo Trace I heard it's good man I can tell you it ain't a lie I know man Buffalo Trace is awesome Buffalo Trace is a very very good drinking whiskey man very smooth very flavorful Michael Evans with a five-dollar super chat. JD, do you think TK is going to get involved on TV with MJF? Yes, I do. Sean Anton with a one ninety-nine super chat. Lacey just seems too cliche and cheesy on the mic. Yes, she does. That's exactly why nobody gives a shit, man. It ain't real. Jonathan McCardle with the four ninety-nine super chat. Hey, JD, what is your favorite bourbon? Slash whiskey. Do you have any unicorns at the bar? I don't have any unicorns at the bar, man. I don't know what the, I don't even know what the fuck that means. My favorite bourbon or whiskey right now, man. That's a tough one, man. I, you know, I, I I always I'm a Knob Creek guy, man. I'm a Knob Creek guy. I think I love Knob Creek. They're awesome. Brandon James Shea becomes a member for six months. Thank you, Brandon, with the six-month membership. When's the beer garden coming out? The beer garden should be uh, unveiled uh, in July, mid-July, I'm looking at. Jarrett Hopfinger with a $5 super chat. Is it me, or has the Intercontinental Championship lost its way in the fold? Ricochet was a great wrestler. Now, Walter or Gunther... We'll need to bring it back. Unicorn equals unique or sleeper drink. I didn't know that they called that, man. I, listen, I don't use that uh, that lingo, man. Look at the beer menu on the wall, man. Those are the unique drinks for the fucking venue. I got a beer menu on the wall for you guys, just in case you get lost. Or a cocktail menu. There'll be a beer and a cocktail menu. In the beer garden, man. All new drinks come into the beer garden. What do you think of the new Resident Evil 4 remake? I can't wait to play it. I get this asked every stream. I can't wait to play it. It says Firestorm Goku with a $1.99 super chat. Chris Elliott with a uh, $2 super chat. The ECHL is a minor professional ice hockey league. Yeah, man, I, I, I'm not a hockey fan. I'm sorry. 
I don't think hockey is boring or anything, man. It's just... I just don't care. I don't care to watch, man. Baseball's enough. Baseball and the Braves give me enough of a fucking ulcer. I don't need to have uh, ulcers in the MLB or the NHL and the NHL and the NBA and the NFL, man. I don't, I don't know. Too many teams for me to fucking like, man. I, yeah, listen, I stick to the baseball team and that's it. Anyway, guys, we're about to get out of here. Yeah, every, every, every question, man. Every question, every stream, I get the same question, man. What do you think of the new Resident Evil 4 remake? It's not even fucking out yet, man. I don't know. Anyway, guys, I appreciate hanging out, man. I know Friday nights are slow and boring. Nobody gives a fuck about SmackDown. Nobody gives a shit about Rampage. You're all watching the basketball games and the hockey games. I can't wait for the fucking playoffs to be over. Joey Clemenza with a $10 super chat. What's up, JD? If you're looking for a great bourbon and willing to part with $200, try Blanton's Single Barrel Special Reserved Heaven in a Glass. I'll keep an eye out for that one, man. I'll keep an eye out for that one, man. Thank you, Joey Clemenza with the $10 super chat. Came right up on my dashboard here in the Mustang. Anyway, guys, uh, I'll be, uh, I'll probably be seeing you tomorrow for an extra at some point. And then Sunday we'll be live for OTS, man. Another live episode of Off the Script on Sunday night. Should be fun. You guys love the Sunday night stream, so uh, we will see what happens then, man. Listen, I need two things from me before I get out of here, man. Number one, I need those guitar emojis in the chat. Number two, when that guitar solo comes on, man. And you hear the sweet sounds of Pilot. I'm going to need that music on max. Guys, I'll see you tomorrow for Extra, and I'll see you Sunday live for Off the Scripts. I'll see you guys later.